Welcome to the Azure Security Podcast, where we discuss topics relating to security, privacy, reliability, and compliance on the Microsoft Cloud Platform. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 68. Uh, This is one of those special episodes. Uh, It's only myself this week, Michael, and I have a guest, um, AJ Jagannathan, who's here to talk to us about the release of Microsoft SQL Server 2022. Uh, but before we get to AJ, I actually do have a couple of little news items that are related to SQL Server. The first is that we now have a STIG for Azure SQL Database. Now, STIG stands for Security Technical Implementation Guides. They're created by a group of folks called DISA, and they create most of this documentation for the Department of Defense. But they're also available for commercial use as well. They're peer-reviewed, they generally tend to be really good quality, but it's great to see something finally coming out for Azure SQL Database. The other thing I want to just just want to touch on briefly is my colleague, Andreas Walter, has written a blog post called Troubleshooting External Data and Access Policies in Azure SQL and SQL Server. This is actually a much-needed post sort of reviewing access policies in SQL Server is not easy, I'm going to be honest with you. So it's a very worthwhile read. Um, Andres also touches on integration with Purview. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that as we we continue through this podcast. So those are the news items that I have. So now let's switch our attention to our guest. Uh, This week we have AJ Jagannathan, who's here to talk to us, as I mentioned, about SQL Server 2022. AJ, welcome to the podcast. We'd like to just spend a quick moment and uh, give our listeners a bit of background on yourself. Thanks, Michael. It's my pleasure to be here speaking to you and sharing some knowledge with the audience. Uh, Hey, folks. My name is AJ Jagnathan. I'm a principal group program manager in the Azure Data team in Microsoft. Uh, My team is responsible for building uh, SQL Server and hybrid services and helping our customers successfully deploy uh, this platform for their applications. So we just released SQL Server 2022, literally like two or three weeks ago. There was a SQL Pass Summit in uh, Seattle. Uh, I was actually a presenter there talking about funding enough security. And uh, that was the day we actually announced the, the general availability of SQL Server 2022. So AJ, why don't you spend you know, a few moments and kind of give us an overview of sort of the big, big changes and the big messages that we have around SQL Server 2022. Let me do a quick rundown of some of the major features of SQL Server 2022 and why we believe customers uh, would love to upgrade to this release. Uh, It all starts with connecting to Azure. So we invested in several scenarios like uh, SQL managed instance for disaster recovery, near real-time analytics with Synapse Link, as well as uh, insights lineage and policy management with Microsoft Purview. And then the second area is, we, as Michael said, we are security is always very critical. Uh, SQL continues to be the least vulnerable database in the industry uh, with the latest published uh, numbers from NIST, as well as investments like Ledger and Purview that you heard Michael mention. Uh, and finally, performance and availability is something we take pride on. SQL uh, ranked number one in the latest benchmark that HPE published for SQL Server 2022 uh, for the data warehouse non-clustered workloads. Uh, and we, we, you'll also see a ton of uh, innovations in the built-in query intelligence, which make your apps run faster uh, without any code changes. So this is, in short, summary of some of the key innovations of uh, SQL Server 2022. 
So when we look at you know a major area um, of innovation is obviously as you mentioned security. Um, so one of the big ones is you know we're starting to see the first efforts around integrating with Purview for managing roles, but also just data governance in general. But do you mind just spending like just a few moments just explain you know what th- what that means for people, what that means for customers? I mean, why should they even consider using Purview? Over time, what we have seen is, I mean, the attack surface area has just increased, right? Customers are finding it very hard to keep up with keeping their environment secure. And the environments are hybrid in nature. You may have some deployments in your own data center, some in cloud environments, whether it's in Azure or other clouds. Uh, Customers are really looking for central experience, a single pane of glass, if you will, to manage such large estates, right? So this is where Purview comes along. So Microsoft Purview introduces this capability to centrally govern and manage on-premises SQL Server in addition to other versions. So we go all the way back to SQL Server 2005 uh, on the on-premises version as well as the cloud deployments too. And it helps you with uh, data cataloging, uh, scanning, classification, setting up access policies, etc. Right. So it gives... IT administrator or database administrator, uh, easy to use uh, system to to manage their environment. The second part of Pulview is role-based access control. So this helps with permissions management. So this has been a longstanding ask for providing more granular scope through policy-based management where customers can set up policies for different users and roles for their SQL Server environment and and apply this at scale instead of having to run scripts individually at each server, right? So this works seamlessly across multiple instances where, let's say, if you want to give temporary access, uh, for example, if you have hired a consultant on a short-term basis and you want to give them temporary access to a production environment, you could easily do that through uh, data read policy and modify option is coming soon. And or if you also have folks who want you want to do like DevOps policies where you want to give them temporary access to production environment for, let's say, performance monitoring or troubleshooting. You could set up this policy through Purview without having to create specific logins and permissions within SQL Server. And this works through the Azure Active Directory integration and uh, this policy can push to uh, multiple instances of uh, SQL Server from a single place and it's also easy to revoke this policy once the the time is elapsed. So it simplifies the entire security management uh, from a single place. So that's the key innovation we are bringing to customers who run SQL workloads. All right, AJ. So we touched on Purview, but you know there are some big themes, right, that we try to address and we did address in SQL Server 22. What are the, what are, what were those themes? Yeah. So when we look at uh, SQL Server 2022 capabilities, right, we uh, we have five major categories. The first one, as I mentioned, is cloud connected. So this is where we want to bring customers the power of Azure to their SQL Server environment, wherever they are running, whether it's in Azure or outside Azure. So as cloud continues to innovate at a very fast pace, a lot of our customers we talk to want to get the same uh, innovations to the, for their SQL Server environments. So with SQL Server 2022, you will see a lot of innovations that bring SQL Server closer to Azure. Uh, the, one of them is the managed DR using managed instance where you can directly connect your SQL Server instance to an Azure SQL managed instance 
And once the link is established, you will be able to use the managed instance for as a disaster recovery site for your SQL Server, or you can also offload your reporting workloads as a read scale out, thereby freeing up resources on SQL Server. And the third scenario where this helps is with migrations. So at some point, let's say you have established a link and uh, you're very, uh, using the managed instance extensively and you decide to migrate to Azure, you, all you need to do is initiate a failover and it, it's now uh, running primary on instance on your managed instance. So multiple scenarios available through this feature. The second big one is uh, analytics, right? So with, with innovations and Synapse, customers are using this more and more. How do we connect uh, operational data sitting in SQL Server with uh, analytics running in Synapse? So Synapse links helps with that. Uh, once you establish the sync, we will automatically synchronize the tables that you identify to the landing zone in Synapse and then make it available in the Synapse workspace. Uh, which then exposes you to do near real-time analytics uh, using Power BI directly from Synapse Studio. Uh, not only that, any changes that happen to the table on your on-premises SQL Server are automatically replicated to your Synapse environment, so you have the latest and greatest data available quickly for you to do near real-time analytics. The second pillar is built-in query intelligence. Uh, this is one of the biggest asks customers have is when they want to upgrade or modernize to Azure and moving to a newer version, how do we make sure that their applications don't have any performance issues? End of day, customers care about performance as a key fundamental. So we have invested both in Query Store, we have made it by default now, uh, because we have the confidence and learnings from Azure SQL again, where millions of databases have this turned on. So with the power of Query Store, and the investments in intelligent QP, uh, we have addressed some of the most common pain points, uh, either by just upgrading or whether you want to run on the latest database compat level, uh, you will be able to get the best features available. For uh, Let me highlight a couple of them. Uh, one is the parameter sensitive plan optimization. Many customers today see this problem where you are running the same stored procedure with a different set of parameters and each one fetches a different set of rows because the data is skewed. So uh, the, the first user's plan is cached, so the second query will reuse the same plan, which may not be the optimal plan for that query. Like, for example, if the first one uses a seek and the second one needs a scan, you may have undesirable impact, right? This is called parameter sniffing problem. With SQL 2022, we have addressed this where we can cache multiple plans for the same parameterized queries. So thereby each query or each user gets the right version of the plan according to the uh, number of rows that it needs. There are other similar features like the de uh, degree of parallelism feedback where customers have a challenge on setting the right max DOP value, whether at the server level, database level, or even at the query level. So with this feedback mechanism, we are able to dynamically adjust the right DOP for your query uh, by reducing the DOP, but yet trying to achieve the same performance using a learning mechanism we have built leveraging the query store. And all these feedback features uh, rely on query store where we persist all the knowledge we gain as we run the queries. So it also has an added benefit that if the server crashes or restarts, or if your query plan is evicted from cache, 
uh, it can be retrieved quickly from the query store so you don't have to pay the cost of recompiling. The third pillar I will talk about is uh, scalability and availability. As the data volume increases and the size of machines that customers run SQL grows, like very large memory systems, uh, it's very important that we can scale in these environments. So we have uh, more than 25 plus features in the core engine, which will uh, help in this case. One of the examples is parallel buffer pool scan, where we can scan large memory uh, footprints, where most of the memory is used by the buffer pool to scan the memory quickly and retrieve the right data for the query. On the availability side, uh, to, ma to maintain the highest availability, we have invested in some of the areas like contained availability groups, which uh, help you to include system databases as part of your failover. So thereby it's easiest administration and setup of your availability environment, HADR. Uh, you don't have to separately set up master or MSDB than user. They can all combine them. The other one is we partnered with Intel to introduce the quick assist technology for backup compression. Backup is a very CPU intensive task. So by offloading this task to the secondary chip that Intel quick assist technology provides, the SQL Server core uh, CPU is freed up for user workloads. So these are some of the uh, few examples of innovations in the uh, availability and scalability pillar. The next one is data virtualization. This is actually a big one. It's started with SQL Server 2016 with Polybase, and we continue to expand this. What we have realized is in today's world, data is residing not just in a SQL Server database, but also in other non-relational formats, right? like Parquet files, Delta files, CSV text files. So how do we provide a way for customers to connect their SQL data with this data set without having to do expensive ETL on moving the data into a database in a format that SQL understands. So data virtualization helps address that problem by, by expanding the Polybase example. We are, we are also integrating with S3 API, which is an open source API. This exposes us to many more open source formats that are available in the industry. And now customers can access data stored in Azure Data Lake or Blob Store or other S3 providers. Uh, this technology can also be leveraged for backup restore uh, with two URL with S3 API, where you can use this REST API for backing up your critical database assets. And the last bucket of investments is the T-SQL. T-SQL is the most popular language for SQL administrators. We are expanding the T-SQL in the area of JSON for customers to operate with JSON-type data. We have added several string, date, and windowing functions customer based on customer and community feedback. And then we are bringing a lot of these time series functions that were introduced in Azure SQL Edge to SQL customers so they can operate on IoT or time series kind of data sets. So this talked about a lot of features, but this, in a sense, is some of the key pillars uh, we have continued to invest and grow in SQL Server. So the last area is security. Security is also another core fundamental. It's actually table stakes as customers have data that expands into multiple scenarios and then the attack vectors increase. And data is the most critical asset for any company. So we continue to be an industry leader in the security space. And I will let Michael highlight some of the investments here. 
just listening to you just then was really, really kind of interesting. And I made this comment actually when we released SQL Server 2022 when I was at the keynote. And it's funny because, you know, I'm obviously like the security nerd. You know, there's the big joke, right? That's going around that I'm the security nerd and a bunch of uh, bunch of sort of you know, database engineers. And so I <laughs> made the comment of saying, yeah, I kind of understand the words, but I'm not sure about the sentences. And uh, yeah, there's still a lot that I have to learn about, you know, sort of databases in general. But no, this is uh, this is great to see. So yeah, so you know, security. There's a lot of big changes that we've made. Yeah, so one of them you've already touched on, and that's Microsoft Purview integration. So I want to quickly go through the through the list of of items, and I'll and I'll explain each in a bit more detail. So the first one is Microsoft Defender for cloud integration. Purview we've talked about uh, Ledger. So we actually had Peter Van Hove on here a few weeks ago talking about about Ledger, a very cool technology. Um, Azure Active Directory authentication, uh, more importantly, client authentication. Always encrypted with secure enclaves. There have been some changes there as well. Um, access control around permissions. Access control server level roles. Um, some changes to de- uh, dynamic data masking. Support for PFX. There's actually a funny little story in there. And then finally, actually one of my favorite changes is um, support for Microsoft TDS 8.0, which is Tabular Data Stream uh, 8.0. And I'll talk about that because there's, that has some really important TLS implications. So let me start again at the very top and go through some of these things. And AJ, if you have any comments to add to each of these, let me know. All right, so the first one is Microsoft Defender for Cloud Integration. So when everyone thinks of like Microsoft Defender for Cloud, you think about you know just Azure. But in actual fact, Defender for Cloud doesn't just work for Azure. It works for um, assets in, in, for example, AWS and GCP, but also works for on-prem um, items as well. So for example, SQL Server 2022. So now we can actually uh, use Microsoft Defender for Cloud you know, with your SQL Server databases or SQL Server servers, I should say, uh, on-prem or, or in VMs for that matter. Microsoft Purview, we already talked about, so I'm not going to go through that in any more detail. Another feature, uh, Ledger for SQL Server. This is, uh, as I mentioned, we had Peter Van Hove on a few weeks ago, actually a few months ago now, to go over Ledger. And this is a way of providing cryptographic proof that data has not been tampered with. Now, the most important part of that is that those those hashes, which, which are actually called Merkle trees, should be stored on something that is tamper-resistant. So, for example, you could use uh, immutable storage uh, in like a, as your storage account. Uh, you could also use a confidential ledger. Now, confidential ledger is not the same as ledger for SQL Server. Similar ideas, but le- a confidential ledger came out of the confidential computing team. It's more of a general purpose ledger. It's not just for databases. And um, we can store the Merkle trees in ledger um, if needed. Yeah, just to add on to your point, Michael, one of the value prop of bringing into SQL is uh, the simplicity of using this through SQL. Right? Blockchain is a very complex technology and uh, it's a decentralized storage and uh, interacting with uh, it requires some uh, programming skills, whereas with SQL Ledger, you just enable it at the database level and then uh, the engine automatically takes care of it. And then we have many views and functions to help customers to look at their ledger data and then verify the integrity of the data and such. So uh, definitely looking forward to our customers using it for both auditing scenarios or uh, use cases where they have multi-party business processes where uh, for example, like a supply chain management system where multiple organizations share uh, the business process with each other, but you want to make sure as the data flows, the it's it's completely trusted and has not been tampered with. So definitely a very good use case. And we already have 
customers like Lenovo who have been using this uh, in Azure and now we're bringing the same experience to SQL Server. Yeah, Peter and I um, spoke at length, actually. We were together at the past summit um, in Seattle, and we spoke at length about, about Ledger. And there's some other aspects that aren't really being talked about with Ledger that much. The first one is, you know, we, okay, we throw around the word blockchain a lot, but I want people to understand that it's actually not a blockchain technology. It's actually not using signatures and blocks of, in the same way the blockchain does. It's symmetric. And the strength of its security comes from storing the hashes in immutable storage. That's, that's the, actual, the complete linchpin is storing it in immutable storage. But there is also a huge upside to the way we have it implemented. And as you mentioned, AJ, the fact that you can just you know, create a table and go, you know, with ledger equals on, and that's basically it, right? That, that's the extent of configuration ultimately. I mean, other than setting up a storage account, it's really that simple. But the other aspect is that everything is symmetric, right? So it's hashes as opposed to signatures, and hashes are a lot more energy efficient than signatures, like substantially so. Substantially so. so this is uh, not just faster than blockchain; it's also a lot more energy efficient than blockchain, and that's that's a big deal, especially if you're doing this thing, you know, this kind of stuff at scale. Next one is Azure Active Directory authentication, and this is for client authentication. You may think, well, hang on, don't we already have that? Yeah, we do in Azure SQL Database and in Azure SQL MI, but not in SQL Server. So you can actually have an on-prem system or, in a, or a VM uh, running SQL Server 2022, and you can now authenticate your clients using Azure Active Directory. Um, you can also use things like managed identities if you're running in a, in a VM. You can do all those kinds of things. So this is really cool. This, honestly, from my perspective as a security guy, this is a huge win. I think this is a very important direction for our database products. We really want to push people to using Azure, Azure Active Directory primarily because, one, the client doesn't have to persist any kind of credential to connect to SQL Server. That's number one. Number two, you can start taking advantage of other defensive mechanisms that we have in uh, Azure Active Directory. Um, so, for example, things like, you know, we, we can detect um, dodgy sign-ins, uh, enforcing um, you know, credential policies, those kinds of things. So that's why... You know, you really need to be thinking about Azure Active Directory for client authentication into uh, SQL Server and Azure SQL Database. Uh, I mean, we still support on-prem, for example, you know, <laughs> UID and password. But the problem is that password, you have to persist it somewhere. And that's what the attacker is going to go after. Whereas with uh, AAD authentication, there is no credential, right? Um, we don't persist it anywhere. And if you're using like a managed identity in Azure, the credential is actually managed completely by AAD. So it's a... It's just better all around from a security posture perspective. Next one is always encrypted with secure enclave. Some small changes here. We now support join, group by, and order by. And we now support text columns using UTF-8 collations. So historically, we didn't support UTF-8. Turns out a lot of our customers are using UTF-8 for collations in, um, in SQL Server. So collations are just like the essentially what are you using to store your data so we can do comparisons and orderings and so on because different alphabets have different orderings and so collations help you uh, help you with that. I mean, is that is that a, a fair definition AJ of collations or do you have a much better more specific example of what a collation really is? Yeah, collation actually uh, helps SQL Server engine understand the data in a table, right? Like it it helps influence uh, Query results, in, in if you will, like if hey, if your data is following this collision, what sort order I need to use, right? Because 
if you have a case sensitive collation as an example you need to make sure when your query results uh, when you run the query and you have an order by it it follows the rules of a case sensitive collision or if it's a case insensitive collision then it doesn't matter so it's basically a way for operating on string data so I wasn't completely wrong then that's that's good so yeah, now we support UTF-8 collations, and there's also been some in, um, some performance improvements as well in uh, always encrypted. This is we're always encrypted with secure enclaves. The second two areas are somewhat related; they're both to do with access control. Um, the first is we have uh, some new granular permissions that help improve uh, principle of least privilege. Look, I'm going to be honest with you. There's a lot of privileges uh, and roles in SQL Server that are, oh sorry, permissions and roles in SQL Server that are not granular and you know you end up granting someone a particular permission and next thing you know they got access to stuff beyond what they really should have access to and so we, we spent quite a bit of time trying to reduce the scope of some of those some of those permissions uh, again this has been a lot of work done by uh, by Andreas Walter and he's uh, writing you know writing a lot of information about some of these new uh, these new permissions we also on the in the area of access control have new server level roles um, these are again to help uh, with principle of least privilege. So these are roles that provide very, very specific roles. Funny enough, rather than having a you know a grab bag of, uh, of roles that a user might have. So again, it's all about granting people or you know entities specifically what they need access to. Um, but this is at a server level. Next one is around dynamic data masking. I'm going to start off by saying that dynamic data masking really isn't security, but you know, if you've got to pick a bucket, this will be the bucket it would go into. It's all about just, just masking data, right? So, for example, social security numbers only show, like, say, for example, the last four digits or something like that. Um, we now have much more granular uh, unmasked permissions. Um, so you can set permissions like at the schema level all the way down to like individual tables and obviously columns as well. Um, but this is really great to see as well. The second to last one is support for PFX. Okay, so there's actually a really interesting story about behind this. AJ, I think you heard the story, right? But my, about how I got involved in this, the PFX stuff. Do you hear about that? Yep, yep. The previous person left the company and you had to take over. <laughs> yeah, so it came down to the wire, right? I'm getting really, really close to shipping SQL Server 2022. And one of the things you have to get done is... is um, support has to sign off on all the new features yeah, because they have to be able to support it. It makes absolute sense, right? If they can't support it, then we can't ship it. Well, it turns out the, per the person who had worked on this originally had left the company, and so there was no support documentation for PFX support. But I'll explain what PFX is in, in a minute. And so my, um, I think it was my manager came to me and he says, do you know PFX? I'm like, yeah, I know PFX. I said, well, do you mind writing the, the support documentation for SQL Server 2022 so that we can ship? I'm like, yeah, I guess. Um, so I knew PFX from, so, I, so jokingly I said, said to him, I said, it's funny you should bring that up because, yeah, I mean, I worked on PFX because I was in IIS, right, in our web server. And of course I know PFX because we you know, support the ability to import and export certificates and private keys. But that was 20 years ago. So, you know, Congratulations on finally supporting it in SQL Server 2022. So what PFX is, it's just an industry standard format for, it's called PKCS 12 as well, is just a way of exporting and importing certificates and private keys and potentially certificate hierarchies and private keys in an encrypted blob. That's basically all it is. Well, you don't, don't get me wrong, you may think, oh man, does SQL Server not support exporting private keys in an encrypted form? 
Yeah, it, it always has, but it was an in, it was a Windows format, not an industry standard format. It was just something that's been around in Windows forever. So we now support PFX. So now that you can you know export and import using um, PFX files instead. Great to see customers that need this are happy that it's finally there. But yeah, so we now support PFX. The last one, um, which is actually probably my favorite of all the features that we've added to SQL Server 2022, is improved um, TDS support. So this is um, a TDS, a tabular data stream, and we now support version 8. Now, here's what's really interesting about TDS 8.0. If you use TDS 8.0, you will have an encrypted channel. Uh, we'll, we will use TLS. There is no, you can't turn that off. If you're going to opt in for using TDS 8, then the uh, the channel will, u- will use TLS. That can't be turned off. Now, the other major change that we made here, which I think is incredibly important, is that historically TDS and TLS, or you know whatever was used to protect the channel and provide server authentication, were intermingled. Now we have broken them apart. So TDS 8 and TLS is completely separate. This is really important because it allows us to easily upgrade the TLS protocol versions without having to jump through weird and funky hoops. That's why, like today, the older version of SQL Server can't use TLS 1.3. They just can't. Um, Now we can. So SQL Server 2022 does support TLS 1.3, but only when you're using TDS 8.0. The other nice thing is that it allows, say, a firewall to do packet inspection because you could actually terminate the the TLS connection at the firewall and then do TDS packet inspection at that point. So probably the best sort of analogy is is think of HTTPS, right? It's it's very, very similar. What HTTP is to TLS or, you know, those two used together. So HTTPS, you can think TDS is is very, very similar to HTTP in this case, right? So it's TDS writing over TLS. So this is great to see. Um, it allows us to use TLS 1.3, and it also allows us to to upgrade to newer protocol versions um, with ease uh, relative to uh, to prior to um, TDS 8. So those are the major features. Uh, again, I think my favorite is probably the TDS 8, because if you turn on TDS 8, then the channel is protected. There's no unprotected channel. Um, what would be next? I don't know. Peter will probably have me say Ledger. I actually really like Ledger. I think I like Ledger a lot because A, it's just really, really simple. Verification is simple. It's easy to use. It's it's a part of the product. You don't pay extra for it. And it solves a real world problem, um, which is great to see. Do you have any particular favorites in there, AJ? Uh, on the security side? Well, let's start on the security side and let's just see if you can pick something out from the other grab bag of stuff I don't understand. Yeah, I think on the security side, Purview is interesting because Purview is actually helping customers manage not just uh, the newer SQL Server version, but it also centrally helps you manage your entire SQL estate, right? Whether you're on cloud or on-premises. On the on the other sides, I really like the looking forward to the customers using our innovations in the cloud through these cloud capabilities, uh, both the MI Link and Synapse Link. So these are some of my favorites. All right, well, let's um, let's bring this episode to a close. AJ, thanks for joining us this week. Uh, one thing we always ask our guests is if you had just one thought to leave our listeners with, uh, what would it be? The thought is we, we are continuously innovating, right? Database uh, SQL Server is one of the most widely used databases in the planet, and customers are 
learning to uh, adapt to the changing demands of the industry and we are keeping up with that we continue to innovate and lead the industry in many aspects through these innovations so sql server is very much alive and uh, look forward to many more innovations in the upcoming years whether through our cloud options or through on premises products and do provide us the feedback if you have any thoughts or questions all right well again uh, aj thank you for joining us this week I always learn something on, on each podcast, but it's kind of crazy learning stuff about the product that you're actually working on. But anyway, that's, again, I'm quite happy to take on the mantle of being the security nerd amongst the database engineers. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. So again, thanks for joining us this week. And to all our listeners out there, uh, we hope you enjoyed this, uh, this episode. This is probably going to be the last episode of the year. So uh, wishing everybody a safe break and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Azure Security Podcast. You can find show notes and other resources at our website, azsecuritypodcast.net. If you have any questions, please find us on Twitter at Azure SecPod. Background music is from ccmixter.com and licensed under the Creative Commons license.